to the races, powered by The Racing Biz, your independent voice for racing and breeding in the Mid-Atlantic. On the web at theracingbiz.com. On the radio, on ESPN Richmond, it's off to the races. Here's Nick Hahn. What do you say now? Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us on Off to the Races. American Pharaoh winning the Haskell Stakes. The Haskell is today at Mammoth Park. A full field, full card, 14 horses. I mean, 14 races, rather, in the Haskell. Let's try this again. I haven't done this in two weeks. 14 races in at Mammoth Park today as part of a big stakes day um, on the Jersey Shore. Also... Saratoga opened this week. Here's John Embriel giving us the opener at Saratoga. And then we'll be ready to kick off the 2020 Saratoga meet. The field is in line. And they're off at Saratoga. Grit and glory broke well from the rail. Now drew. Welcome back, Saratoga, to the racing calendar. And they got off fast it was the peter pan stakes at saratoga the feature on opening day i could get used to having some of these kentucky derby prep races midweek sort of made it feel like monday night football back in the day Uh, we saw that with the indiana derby a couple of weeks ago and they ran the peter pan stakes usually run at belmont park as part of a prep for the belmont stakes but the peter pan uh, this year, with everything being considered, uh, was run on opening day at Saratoga, and they've already had some sensational racing and sensational finishes at Saratoga. Uh, in this race, uh, try and tee it up for you here a little bit. Mystic Guide was the favorite in the race. Caracaro uh, was uh, the second choice in the race, and uh, Country Grammar also getting a little bit of attention here. John Embriel gives us the stretch run of the Peter Pan. So it's three of them across and room on the inside and there goes Country Grammar. Country Grammar has come on through down at the rail to take the lead as they head for home. Three quarters went in one twelve and one. It is Country Grammar on the inside and Caracaro on the outside and Caracaro now takes the lead. Country Grammar continues to battle on down at the rail with a 16th to the finish. Caracaro and Country Grammar and they're putting on a heck of a stretch duel here in the Peter Pan and Country Grammar has won it. The Peter Pan here at Saratoga. Caracaro was second. I read Ortiz delivering the winner there uh, with Country Grammar, who now moves into the Kentucky Derby point standings a little bit further up. And uh, congratulations to those connections. I read Ortiz is having a sensational 2020 despite of all the COVID. Chad Brown Paul is the trainer. Paul Pompa, the owner there of Country Grammar, who uh, bettered uh, – there were – nine in that field so um he's looking for perhaps i wonder if he'll get one more start before the derby have to wonder he's kind of running out of time they're only after today let's see there will be only four more kentucky derby prep races uh the kentucky derby road started last september 14th at churchill downs with the iroquois and uh we're down the four races in this extended period before uh the kentucky derby runs september 5th um the first saturday in september this year just a quick recap from last week it's the kentucky derby future bet weekend so you can bet on the derby this weekend uh, and we'll go over that a little bit later in the show but in the bluegrass last week, uh, our collector was uh, got the win there over Swiss Skydiver, the Philly. Rushy was third. So uh, our collector moves up in the uh, Kentucky Derby point standings as well. So um, just kind of a quick look at the leaderboard. Of course, you got Tiz the Law, which is trying to – I think he's trying to get all the points before. But Tiz the Law uh, sitting on top, Honor AP. Uh, we'll talk about those two horses, Tisdale and Honor AP, as they relate to the Haskell today. You'll see why I mentioned them a little bit later in the show. Authentic runs today in the Haskell, and then our collector is sitting there fourth with his win in the bluegrass. Uh, Dr. Post running today in the Haskell is ninth on the list. Uh, Country Grammar 
who you heard winning the Peter Pan, earned 50 points and is now 11th in the standing. So all these horses, um, you can find them on KentuckyDerby.com in terms of who may and may not be in the Kentucky Derby starting gate. Want to uh, bring in Daryl Wood? Um, who has been spending a lot of time on the backstretch at Colonial Downs as we're only nine days away from live racing returning to Virginia. And Daryl joins us on Off to the Races this morning. Good morning, Daryl. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful today. Uh, it's a beautiful Saturday well, it's not beautiful. It is hot, man. <laughs> it's going to stay that way for a little while. But uh, it, it, it is Saturday morning, at least, and uh, we're, we're going to sweat through it here. But uh, just wanted the horses are now on the grounds. Uh, they were started trickling in uh, a little over two weeks ago. and uh, But now, you know, the barns are filling up and and. A little bit of news, perhaps, to report on the jockey side. It's something that is now widespread in the Mid-Atlantic with the impact of COVID. Um, In the Mid-Atlantic, it's been known as a little bit of a commuter jockey circuit, as uh, jockeys can go from anywhere from Monmouth to Delaware Park to Laurel to Charlestown to Colonial uh, during the weeks and half weeks that the tracks race. But I guess a little bit of news about the jockey situation at Colonial Downs surfaced yesterday. Yeah, Nick, uh, just with, uh, like you said, with most other tracks in the country, once jockeys come into Colonial Downs to become, to be to start racing here uh, a week from Monday, uh, they're going to have to, as anybody would, show a negative um, COVID test. But after they start racing at Colonial, if they choose to leave and race elsewhere, they're going to have to uh, self-quarantine for 14 days before they can run again at Colonial Downs. So pretty much every track around the country now, it seems to be the jockeys have to decide which which circuit they're going to be based out of. So I know the, the race office at Colonial Downs is actively pursuing as many jockeys as possible to ensure a, a healthy and talented uh, jockey colony come next Monday. So puts a little bit of a wrinkle in it, into things, but in this COVID uh, era, it seems like things change by the minute. So that's the way it is as of, of Saturday morning. Saturday morning, July 18th, where fans are still allowed uh, up to 1,000. If you're part of the first 1,000 to get there, uh, you can, can go. As, as of this morning, we'll see, uh, we'll see how that uh, progresses as we work toward the last nine days. Nominations are out for the stakes races, the uh, Virginia-restricted uh, Virginia-sired races that uh, just are scattered through the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, tell us perhaps a little bit about you know those nominations and and just maybe the what to expect that very first week in racing. Yeah, the uh, opening week is uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And again, that's a change from earlier in the year when the race season was going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But we've got six stakes races here on opening week, which is uh, uh, kind of enticing. Opening day on Monday's got the Van Cleef Handicap. Uh, Tuesday we've got the Hansel. Uh, stakes and the White Oak Farm Stakes. Now, all three of those are for Virginia restricted horses, and those are horses that, as babies, were uh, were shipped into the state from out of state for a six month consecutive period. As a baby, they were raised at a Virginia farmer training center uh, on the premise that when they start racing, they'll be able to uh, get get a twenty five percent bonus when they win races uh, as a Virginia quote restricted. Horse. Well, now these restricted horses are coming full circle. They're coming back into the state now that they're racing. So uh, it's kind of neat that we're going to see fields of restricted horses Monday and Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, we've got three races, uh, stakes races, for Virginia bred or sired horses. And that's going to be the uh, Edward Evans and the Nellie Maycox and the Camptown Stakes. So uh, those are $60,000 purses. The restricteds are $40,000 purses. But, but good stuff to sink your teeth into for those first three days. Yeah, those races, it just seems those Virginia races, they're obviously a lot of stakes run these, these state-bred and state-restricted races uh, for, for the state horsemen in, in various um, you know, states across the country. But it seems like in Virginia, they just seem to, it, it seems to tick up a little bit. Uh, people want to win these stakes, and, uh, and they always seem to produce a great racing that even draws a lot of attention outside of the state. So 
Daryl, want to thank you for coming on with us this Saturday morning and uh, looking forward to hearing so much more from you uh, during the week and virginiahorseracing.com, a great place to, to see all the work and pictures at Daryl. Uh, with the limited access to Colonial Downs, it's a great resource to, to stay tuned with what's happening at Colonial Downs during the meet. So, Daryl, thanks a lot. Thanks, Nick. And a quick note for fans of uh, that get the Richmond Times-Dispatch on Sundays, uh, Hall of Fame journalist Jerry Linquist is doing a, a quite comprehensive piece tomorrow on uh, the the, the uh, history of Colonial Downs, especially the years that he covered uh, that beat as part of his uh, routine. So tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's paper should be uh, should be interesting. Absolutely, uh, Jerry Linquist, uh, very professional in his approach towards towards sports and writing, and, and looking for. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, looking forward to seeing that tomorrow. I'll, I'll certainly check that out. Yeah, have a great show. Great. Uh, Daryl Wood joining us on Off to the Races this morning. Just to, uh, we've got Frank Vespi just waiting here. He's uh, in the paddock getting saddled up here. But just to give you a little bit of uh, what's coming up ahead on Off to the Races, we have NTRA Director of Communications, Alicia Hughes, joining us on Off to the Races here in about 10, 15 minutes or so. Also, Brad Thomas will join us from Monmouth Park. Uh, he is the handicapper there. We don't know if he'll be wearing shades or not at 10.30 in the morning. He might be. Uh, he might have be shades up at this point. And, of course, Derby Bill Watson, uh, the anchor leg, the heavyweight of handicapping, will uh, provide his picks for the Haskell and some of the other racing. A big day at uh, Saratoga with the coaching club American Oaks in front of us, too. But uh, Frank Vespi joining us now on Off to the Races. Good morning, Frank. Morning, Nick. How are you today? Doing well. Uh, one one other program note as we kind of get caught up here after we may have picked the wrong week to to take off on off to the races because so much has happened in the span of uh, the week that we were off. The last time we aired was uh, was July fourth. But uh, Frank will actually be anchoring off to the races next week as, as I got a conflict. So the Saturday before opening day at Colonial Downs, Frank will, will be in the chair and uh, um, assume the, uh, the jockey uh, responsibilities for, for this great horse that we call off to the races. And uh, Frank, uh, just wanted to catch up with you. Daryl touched on some of the stakes uh, nominations that had come out and uh, you know it's it's a it's an impressive list uh, Eagle Point Farm who has come on board um, as a sponsor of off to the races is is put what the beep in the nomination box along with Braxton um, if there's a program and a entity that is benefited more from the residency program than Eagle Point in Virginia. I'm not sure who that is because uh, just having the chance to visit Eagle Point last week, it was just tremendous to see what Karen Dennehy and Godsey and, and Donna Dennehy, her mother, have, have put together there. Um, I mean, I, I saw horses chest bumping uh, last week out there at, at, at Eagle Point Farm, uh, but wanted to get your thoughts on on perhaps the stakes nominations and, and the stakes uh, slate for the first week at Colonial? Well, it's certainly, I, I mean, I think the thing with nominations, and if you talk to any stakes coordinator or racing secretary, they'll tell you this, you know, nominations are great, but uh, where the rubber meets the road is in the entry box. And so it's good to see the nominations, good to see some of these horses. You, you hope that they're, they're going to go to post, but you, you kind of have to wait and see what, what comes out in the entry box before you get too excited. You know, a lot of horses, a lot of people will nominate their horses to, you know, two, three, four different stakes, you know, coming up and, and not really be intending to go to most of them. So, so we got to wait and see how it plays out. But I, I, to me, I think the, the, the kind of good news here is, you know, this is, this is tangible evidence. Colonials around the corner. They're, they're now taking nominations. That means you're only 10 days out from the start of a meeting. And so that's really the, the major takeaway for me. And, and so certainly looking forward to getting back on the grass at Colonial. Yeah, the mentioned uh, Eagle Point. They have Braxton nominated for the Van Cleef and Bolden, who is a horse that ran well at Colonial, is is also in that Van Cleef. Uh, what the Beep is, you know, that big day that 
that Eagle Point had with what the beat finishing first and and um, Braxton finishing second in the meadow um, that uh, uh, what the beep is going to be in the camp town so uh, Largent who is a Pletcher horse is nominated for the Evan Stakes would love to see that horse try and go four for six here at Colonial Downs so hopefully um, hopefully everything works out there wanted to maybe t- we touched a little bit about the jockey situation at Colonial but we've seen this now it, it started to appear during the week uh, where where jockeys are going to have to sort of shelter in place uh, or or maybe be subject to a 14-day quarantine uh, if they in moving about. Uh, how is that in in such a commuter jockey uh, region as as the Mid Atlantic, where you're crossing state lines uh, uh, often to to get to races? Uh, what do you kind of see as the impacts through the Mid Atlantic? Well, it's a really interesting question, and you're exactly right, Nick. That this is a commuter jockey area, and you know, there's a reason that uh, uh, the um, I guess the Sormo was set, set the all-time record for wins in a season when he was here in the Mid Atlantic because he could race at Laurel in the day and then go to Penn National or, or Charlestown at night, and when Laurel was dark, he could go someplace else. And, and jockeys do that. And uh, I think what we're seeing is what's going to become the norm. Laurel had, had previously announced that jockeys were going to have to follow a two-week quarantine if they raced elsewhere and then wanted to race at Laurel. And, and now Colonial has announced that, and, and I, I, think, I believe Saratoga is operating on a similar arrangement. And I think you're going to probably end up seeing it all over the Mid-Atlantic because, you know, the fears of COVID-19 are... If you talk to anybody who's had it, this is nothing you want to screw around with. And, and um, you know, it's obviously important that that, uh, that jockeys and everyone on the racetrack stay as safe as they can. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, I, I think it's the pressure or the challenge is going to be for a track like a Colonial or like a Monmouth Park that that have shorter meets, you know, Laurel with 140 days or whatever it has this year. You know, I think a lot of jockeys kind of say, well, I'm going to make my home there and I'm just going to be there all year long. I think for tracks that are operating on a short schedule, it's going to be a little more challenging and they're going to have to probably i would guess end up making do with you know a local core of 20 guys or or 20 men and women or you know 20 or 25 who are gonna be the ones who are there all meet and that's just how it's gonna have to be and i think you might see some people sort of shoot in at the beginning or the end of the meet and say well i'm gonna do this and take a little vacation but i i think it's um i I think it's gonna be a real challenge it's gonna be really interesting to see how the summer plays out it's uh yeah when you talk about jockey colonies they will actually probably be real colonies uh here at least uh in the near term depending on on how the science goes with with COVID-19 it's Haskell Day at Monmouth Park on the Jersey Shore Authentic is there with uh with Bob Baffert um bringing Authentic in and you know trying to rebound what kind of are you, what are your thoughts on on just Monmouth Park and and uh the, the big day that is before them Well this is obviously this is the biggest day of the year for Monmouth and because they're operating on a compressed schedule this year they're only racing 37 days there as opposed to 50 on the last few years. Uh, they've actually made it an even bigger day. So for the first time, the United Nations, which is grade one turf race, and the Haskell grade one dirt race are on the same day. So the two biggest races of the year at Monmouth are both happening today. So that that makes today a pretty cool day at Monmouth. And uh, you know, Monmouth has its challenges. We've talked about on the show before. They've got a short meet. They are now getting some subsidy from the state, which helps put them on something of a level playing field with their nearby rivals. I mean, it, it's a great track, and it's one we need to keep. You know, Monmouth and Delaware are really two of the nicest racetracks in America, and I feel like as an industry, we can't afford to lose either one of them. So certainly uh, always rooting for tracks like that to to 
uh, keep going and and to find a way to keep it together and uh so you hope today's a big day but they they of course have had to restrict the number of fans so that that has an impact because this is typically a day that draws 35 40,000 or you played the clip from American Pharaoh 60,000 on that day and said this year they'll have I don't know 1500 or something but uh, nevertheless, it, it should be interesting to see Bob Baffert going for his ninth win in the Haskell. He's uh, kind of owned that race over the years, so he hasn't won it in a couple of years since Farrell won in 2015. And so that should be interesting to see. You got a bunch of Chad Brown in the UN, but Jonathan Thomas, uh, a local boy, has a horse named Corelli that I think is worth a little bit of a look in that race at 10 to 1. So. Uh, it should be a great day. They got a bunch of great at stakes on tap. They got their two big races. You know, hopefully, hopefully the weather on the Jersey Shore is okay, and and they can uh, enjoy the day. Great, good to hear. And Frank, start prepping for uh, next week, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll hear a lot more of you next week on off to the races. <laughs> more than anyone wants to alright we're going to head to break here on off to the races Uh, I think we have Jay Lane and his cabin fever band which is a band of one uh, taking us in the break here on off to the races when we come back we'll speak to Alicia Hughes of the NTRA you're listening to off to the races battlefield there's a saying america's military men and women live by never leave a fallen warrior behind ever off the battlefield wounded warrior project operates with the same goal wounded warrior project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war whether those scars are physical or mental wounded warrior project we never leave a fallen warrior behind ever learn more about what we do at woundedwarriorproject.org Live Racing has returned to the Maryland Jockey Club. The summer 2020 meet is currently being conducted Fridays and Saturdays at Laurel Park under the industry's most stringent health and safety protocols. Although Laurel Park is closed to the general public, fans can watch and wager on the action at laurelpark.com and on the First Bet app, the official betting app of Maryland Jockey Club. First race post times 12.40 p.m. For more information on the summer 2020 racing schedule, please visit www.laurelpark.com. VirginiaHorseRacing.com Across Virginia, from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley, from the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent to the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock, from steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow or Foxfield or Middleburg, or Montpelier to point-to-point race action on VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission-approved industry partner sites. TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, TwinSpires.com, and NYRABets.com. Find out more at VirginiaHorseRacing.com. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, we'll help make your auto repair, maintenance, and restoration projects easier. So when your car isn't stopping like it used to, our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies you need to do the job right the first time. Now, for a limited time, get 15% off a set of brake best pads and two rotors. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, this is Tugach. Join me weekdays, 10 to 1, on the Dan Lebitard Show, now on 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. And we're back on Off to the Races. ESPN Richmond and theracingbiz.com. I'm your host, Nick Hahn, and uh, joining us from the NTRA, the uh, director of NTRA Communications is Alicia Hughes. The NTRA 
is um, an organization that uh, increases popularity, welfare, and integrity of thoroughbred racing. Uh, it, it deals with a wide range of subject matters, everything from advocacy to safety, uh, fan engagement, uh, corporate partner development uh, is all part of the mission statement of the NTRA and communicating that is Alicia Hughes. And Alicia, thanks for spending some time with us on Off to the Races this morning. Thanks so much, Nick, for having me on this morning. Uh, wanted to just kind of I've kind of expressed a little bit about what the NTRA does and and uh, being the director of communications it's certainly been uh, I'm sure it's been a busy year for you with all of the issues that have surfaced here uh, from from COVID from the uh, civil uh, unrest that have surfaced after the George Floyd incident just to to disclose here fully uh, Teresa Gennaro's article excellent work that she did for the racing biz uh, on a feature she did in late june you were part of that story and being a person of race um can is kind of in a unique position in this industry to to discuss it what has this year been like for you so far hard in a word um, <laughs> to, 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 to put that mildly and i just want to say um since you especially since you mentioned it i just want to thank you guys and especially thank Teresa for that article that, 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 that she did, that was really the first article that even, you know, touched on the, on the topic of race in, in thoroughbred racing and in the, in the, in the discussion about it, or basically the lack of discussion that, 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 that had been happening about it. And, you know, I just want to thank you guys and thank Teresa. You guys really picked off this whole, you know, the, the conversation that has kind of come about and that, and that has really happened since and gained some momentum. So, um, I'm just very appreciative for for giving um, myself and others the 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 platform to get out there and speak our truth. But yeah, I mean, um, it's it's been it's been a challenging year for uh, you know on a few different fronts. Obviously, with COVID, I mean, COVID has been a challenging has made the world. It's been a challenge for the entire world right now. It's knocked everything off of its axis, and um, you know we're dealing with, with the virus that there's still no 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 treatment for no no cure for no no vaccine for and it's threatened every it's threatened everybody um in this country and that's something front and center and then trying to you know as we have tracks that are still trying to navigate and operate you know in the middle of that you know we've seen what's now happened in, you know in the last week or so where we've had the jot you know the spike in positives with the jockeys which you know might you know you had to see that 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 that, that, that train was coming at some point just the nature of of how of how things are built so yeah it's it's been um it's been a tough one but you know hopefully as with everything you know I, you hope that you can that if something positive comes out of these tough times and that's what kind of makes going through all of the fires worth it i've met you a few times here uh going to these triple crown races and and you know you go up into the press box and and these these are like very quiet rooms and very loud buildings on these triple crown days in terms of of you know pr the professionalism of of the people that that work uh you know covering racing and how serious that they they take uh, you know their their trades uh, you've I've seen you come along a little uh, ways. I remember when you first, you know, appeared and started working as part of the press corps, so to speak. And you went benefited perhaps through an apprenticeship program, and now now you're the director of the NTRA. It, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, do we? The question, a question I sort of asked Barry Spears, who was on our show uh, two weeks ago, was part of that same article, the sniper. Uh, we look forward to getting back when the meet starts at Colonial uh, on off to the races. How did that apprenticeship benefit, and how hard was how hard was it for you to get your foot in the door? Uh, well, actually, I did not have any uh, apprenticeship. Um, I got, I mean, my start to try to try to give a, a quick and dirty story of how I got, um, as I said, my majority of my career was spent as a journalist. And I started, I started as a sports writer when I was a sophomore in college. I went to college, uh, Pace, which is in Westchester, New York. And, um, my sophomore year of college, I, I took a sports journalism class 
and the, the the professor of the class at the time happened to be the assistant sports editor for the journal newspaper, uh, which is the the the, the Gannett newspaper based out of White Plains. After class was over, the professor reached out to me and said, "Hey, I thought you did some good work in class. We've got an opening, a part-time opening at our local desk. Would you like to come work for us?" So I was like, "Sure, absolutely." So I started I started off on the local desk, covering high school, taking scores, all that old school stuff. Um, because I was basically the only person in that newsroom at the time that, that, that knew or cared anything about horse racing, they basically threw me a bone and would let me go out and, like, you know, help cover the Belmont State, cover the harness racing at the Meadowlands, at Yonkers Raceway. You know, they basically would let me go out and do that to keep me happy for, you know, all of this, all, all of the other stuff we were covering throughout the year. So that's, that's how I got started in, in journalism was, I worked for the Journal News throughout college. After I graduated, I got a. Um, I worked for the Greenwich Time paper, which is a local paper based out of uh, out of Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, small paper, three person sports desk where you had to do everything, which was again, there's invaluable as far as, as learning experience. I came out to Kentucky in 2003 when I got a job as a staff writer for the Thoroughbred Times. May it rest in peace when it still existed. I was with Thoroughbred Times for a couple of years, went from Thoroughbred Times to the Lexington Herald-Leader, where I spent about 12 years with the Herald-Leader, went from the Herald-Leader to the Blood Horse, where I was their racing editor for two years, and then Blood Horse to the NTRA. So um, that's sort of how my career has, has sort of, 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 of progressed there. So you talk about how I got my foot in the door. I mean, my foot in the door with journalism literally came by chance. Uh, like I said, I... I I took a sports journalism class because I grew up as a sports fan, and I figured if I should, if I had to sit through a three-hour night class, I, I figured I could at least talk sports. And like I said, and it's just you know, I had the good fortune to get started that way, and basically just kept working my way up through there. Wow, how how is your how does this is a question I asked Barry Spears a little bit too? Is how does your racetrack life differ from real life? How does racetrack? living very very for you um, what's how do you compare the two and and which which is better <laughs> <laughs> you know it's 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 a it's an interesting compare because i said there are so many parallels and there's so many crossovers because you know especially i said because i've i spent i've spent over 20 years covering the sport and you know and i have some of the absolute best friends that i have in my life are people who i would not have met if I, you know, if it were not for this sport and for covering, you know, this sport, you know, fellow turf fighters and, and you know, and so, and so many great people. Like I said, I'm so, I, I'm, I, I'm so grateful for that because, like I said, these are, you know, these, these are people who have been absolutely invaluable to me just as a friend and just, you know, for mentorship. And so, like I said, we, it, it's really interesting because I feel like in, uh, especially on the turf rider side, it's like, Yes, we're all, you know, we're all competitive. You want to get the soup, you want to get the story. But I feel like there is also always this camaraderie of we're a small herd and we're all kind of fighting for the same thing. And that's to exist, especially as, as journalism in general. Um, that whole industry has been struggling. And especially you want to talk about turf riders. When I left the, uh, the uh, Herald Leader and when Jenny Reese, who is an absolute legend of turf riders, when Absolutely, Jenny Reese yep. left the, the uh, when Jenny Reese left the Courier Journal, when I left the the Herald Leader, Jenny Reese and I were the last two full time full time turf writers at Metropolitan Papers in the country. She and I were, were the last two. When we both left, and neither neither of those papers, both the papers in Kentucky, the horse capital of the world, the urban capital of the world, filled our positions full time. So that tells you a little bit about the struggle of the industry and especially as you know the the professional being a turf rider so i feel like there's always been this great camaraderie that has carried over that is carried you know uh, that is there in my professional life but is also carried over in into my personal life because some of the greatest relationships that i have to this day has come about as a result of that great yeah certainly Certainly, uh, a, a, a group that gets smaller—the professional turf riders. So, uh, well, Alicia, thanks for joining us. And off to the races. We're going to head up to uh, Mammoth here and uh, talk to Brad Thomas here in just a second. But uh, appreciate you coming on to off to the races, and uh, look forward to uh, to seeing uh, more of your work uh, through the next uh, half of uh, 2020. Thank you so much. 
Great. Great. Alicia Hughes, uh, uh, Director of NTRA Communications, uh, joining us on Off to the Races this morning. We're going to go quickly up to Monmouth Park, where Brad Thomas uh, joins us now on Off to the Races on a busy day. Brad, I know it's I know it's a big day for you guys working late last night and everything. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us on Off to the Races. What is the atmosphere up at Monmouth Park this morning? Oh, hopeful and optimistic, and uh, hopefully a very, very strong race. It's an excellent card, and uh, hopefully there's some good betting going on. Now, it looks like in the Haskell, this is, you know, it's certainly billed as a a, a match between Dr. Post and Authentic here as is, is being the top two picks and coming off of races where they both ran second. So this is, a, you know, talk about a, a rebound race of sorts for these two. One, two in the starting gate, but I noticed, uh, I noticed you, you, kind of went past that you're looking uh perhaps at some long shots in this in this race uh tell us your theory about the haskell well i don't select the likeliest winners of races i select horses who i think represent the uh the biggest potential disparity between their actual chances of winning and what their odds are and that's value that's the definition of value uh 50 to 1 may not be value if the horse really should be 80 to 1 but uh, five to one could be value, of course, if the horse should be three to one. That's my philosophy. Authentic is by far the likeliest uh, winner of this race. Uh, he broke poorly from an outside draw at Santanilla last time. He got rank and unsettled as a result, squandered a lot of his reserves, fighting with horses inside of him for the first time in his life. Probably wasn't going to beat Honor AP anyway, but uh, it was uh, a lack of professionalism that really hurt him. He switches jockeys to Mike Smith, moves back inside, which is actually where he prefers to be. He's probably going to break better because he's not going to have horses. Uh, he's not going to have daylight to his outside. Uh, if he does break alertly, makes the lead, he will be incredibly hard to catch at a very short price. That said, yesterday at Monmouth Park on dirt, limited menu, only six races, only uh, three or four of them on dirt. Uh, off the pace horses did did well, and outside movers did well too. So uh, ending, I think, is probably a good enough horse to overcome that, but he is the likeliest winner. Dr. Post, I do think, is vulnerable. I think this horse is running in this race because the timing of this race, vis-a-vis the Derby in September, works out perfectly for a barn that really likes to rest its horses between big races. Dr. Post is a big, long-striding horse. He was wonderfully suited by Belmont last time out, where he ran a superb race to finish second. Uh, but Monmouth Park, with its much tighter turns and shorter stretch, could pose an athletic test for him, especially since this is a race that is while it's an end to itself because of a million-dollar purse and a grade one, it is a bridge to the Kentucky Derby. I think the three, Jesus' team is a horse with still more upside. He's really stepped it up since uh, coming under the care of Jose D'Angelo, who does excellent work with a small string at Gulfstream. I love the way he moved forward in his last two. I love the way the pace figures and the final figures are improving. He had to work very hard to keep up in a super fast pace race in a greater quality allowance race at Gulfstream last time out going a one-turn mile. I was impressed by him having to work that hard on the turn and then still running through the stretch and fighting with Sol Volante, the perfect well-off-the-pace, the perfect trip well-off-the-pace winner. Uh, now, Sol Volante ran poorly in the Belmont. That does not concern me. He was over the top at the time, and he's a turf, uh, turf horse at heart. Chivalry, the third finisher, he's a sprinter at heart. He didn't run well in the bluegrass, but he had a bad draw for his style. Uh, doesn't concern me at all. Negative key races are vastly, vastly overrated. It's really, there's reasons why horses may not fire the best shots subsequently. I think Jesus' team, though, is the horse out of that race who can move forward. I think he can definitely get involved in this race because he's so hot right now. I think the two turns will help, the slower pace early will help, and I think he'll finish even better. I'm certainly using him in exotics with Authentic and some other horses, and I will have a win bet on him as well. Well, that's hopefully you get rewarded uh, thinking that uh, Jesus' team might run. Uh, he's fifteen to one, might run over his odds today. Wanted to also get your thoughts on the United Nations, a Grade One on the turf. Uh, this one seems to have a, a, few, a few more options here in terms of picking a top winner here, anywhere from Arclo to uh, Standard Deviation, the Current to uh, Aquaphobia, uh, a couple of other shooters in here as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on the United Nations? 
I do not like arc low at all on the cutback and distance and on a three-turn, tight-turn, short-stretch turf course. It's not suited for him. He's a long strider who prefers room to maneuver. Aquaphobia can't go this far. Uh, the horse to beat to me is uh, Corelli, who was very green in his U.S. debut, uh, was unfocused throughout, did his best running in Europe, though, from on the lead or just off it when Dettori was on board. He puts blinkers on, gets first-time six. He's going to be much more aggressively ridden with an aggressive jockey and Centeno on board. Uh, Perrette uh, was able to wire the tiller last time out well in front of Corelli. I think Corelli takes it to Perrette early and possibly clears and is very dangerous as a result of big time use for me. I'm going to take a shot, though, with the 7 Dionysius, who's a very talented horse. He's very good going a mile and a half, never run a mile and three eighths. His pedigree says a little bit shorter will be better still for him. He runs well fresh. I love the, uh, the rider change to uh, Santano, uh, a, a rider who can be really, really aggressive as well. Uh, he's a horse who makes brilliant moves, and in the past, he has moved prematurely in races when the scenario did not really suit that style. But I think with a really well-timed move today, he's a horse who has a chance to upset what is a very, very soft grade one. He's another horse who's not the likeliest winner by any stretch of the imagination, but at a big price, I think this horse has a big chance to get involved. Okay, a couple of options from the grade ones up at uh, Monmouth Park today. Uh, conditions, any any concerns, conditions, scratches, any late-breaking news in terms of uh, what to expect uh, outside? No scratches uh, in the major races, at least at this time. Uh, we talked about how the uh, dirt course played at least yesterday on turf today. The rails are all the way down. Uh, they've only been all the way down one time previously this meet. It was on the 4th of July. Uh, on that date, it played uh, evenly. The course did in two-turn routes. The one one-turn sprint was one from off the pace. Inside and inside-out trips were live, but wide all the way movers had a chance to. Frequently with the rails down, speed in the inside can be fantastic here. That, however, was not necessarily the case uh, the last time they were at that setting here. This is a guy that pays attention to racing a little bit. Brad Thomas, thanks for uh, your thoughts and spending some time with us on Off to the Races this morning. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Good luck, everybody, and be safe. Great. Brad Thomas, a live voice from Monmouth Park this morning, uh, and certainly knows uh, Monmouth Park, as you could hear in his attention to detail. We're going to go to break here on Off to the Races. When we come back, the authentic himself, the handy heavyweight of horseplay, Derby Bill Watson, joins us on Off to the Races next. Stay tuned. ESPN Richmond is an Urban One radio station, minority controlled and operated, and serving the African American community for over 40 years. This is 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Ashland's Eagle Point Farm, located in Richmond's rich traditional thoroughbred country, an area that produced the immortal Secretariat. Eagle Point Farm graduates excel at racetracks throughout the Mid-Atlantic, but race at Colonial Downs with a home field advantage. Now managed by Karen Dennehy-Gotze, Eagle Point Farm is in its third generation of breeding, breaking, raising, and racing thoroughbreds. You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. Their developing horses train on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed trainers, experienced riders. In the return of racing at Colonial Downs in 2019, Eagle Point Farms captured the $100,000 Tyson Gilpin Stakes with What the Beep. It's What the Beep who comes up calling after the lead. English Harris tries to battle on toward the inside, but What the Beep has all the momentum, and What the Beep wins the Tyson Gilpin. 200 acres of paddocks, round pens, gallops, and care. Ask about the Virginia Certified Residency Program and have your thoroughbreds take flight at Eagle Point Farm in Ashland and online at eaglepointfarm.com. It's the perfect time for a powerful business refresh during Dell Technologies' Cyber Savings Event. It starts now with up to 50% off high-performance Windows 10 business laptops, desktops, and servers, plus top-brand electronics. It's also your chance to streamline IT and simplify PC life cycles with PC as a service. Dell Technologies recommends Windows 10 Pro for business. Call 877 877- 
877-ASK-DELL for a Dell Technologies advisor who can help you find the right tech. That's 877-ASK-DELL or visit dell.com slash smallbusinessdeals. Shape your future. Complete the 2020 census today. It's easy. You can complete it online, by phone, or by mail. There is $675 billion in federal funds at stake to support states and communities like ours. Information collected supports vital programs which impact housing, education, transportation, employment, health care, and public policy. Completing the census ensures Virginia gets its fair share. Your information is confidential. Go to 2020census.gov. Paid for by the Virginia Complete Count Commission. Prescription opioids can be addictive and dangerous. When I was first prescribed my prescription pain meds, there was nobody to tell me that these have a really high potential for addiction. How can I be addicted? I get these from my doctor. Prescription opioids. It only takes a little to lose a lot. Furnished by the Virginia Department of Health. Learn more at vdh.virginia.gov. Getting to work is a little different right now. Your new commute may be to the kitchen, or the couch, or the basement. If your commute has changed, you could be saving money on car insurance. With pay-per-mile car insurance from Allstate, you get the same reliable coverage you'd expect, but only pay for the miles you drive. Drive less, save more with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call an agent for a quote. Price also includes a daily rate, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and its affiliates. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at ESPN Richmond. Keeping you up to date 24-7. We are 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. Live racing resumes at Maryland Jockey Club. The summer 2020 meet is currently being conducted Fridays and Saturdays at Laurel Park under the industry's most stringent health and safety protocols. Although Laurel Park is closed to the general public, fans can watch and wager on the action at laurelpark.com and on the First Bet app, the official betting app of the Maryland Jockey Club. First race post time is 12.40 p.m. For more information on the summer 2020 racing schedule, visit www.laurelpark.com. Remember, when you work from home, no one will know what you put in your coffee. The coronavirus. Let's make the best of it. This is 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Yeah, this is Scuffletown. Love playing the local music. Bringing uh, Jay Lane in an earlier piece on the show on Off to the Races. And uh, we played uh, some Eli Cook in previous weeks. And uh, just just if you have some music, if you're a musician and you're looking to uh, just add a little bit to the show, uh, feel free to send it to me. Love to get it on. Love playing the local, the local flair. And uh, no one's more local, perhaps, than Derby Bill Watson, who comes aboard now in his familiar time slot on off to the races and uh, get, got a little bit of a race breakdown here for the first for the two grade ones at Monmouth Park here from Brad Thomas at Monmouth Park and Derby Bill. Um, it's a great some great racing it's going to be fun to watch this racing a little bit later today the stakes card is really solid at monmouth park today uh thanks for coming aboard and uh what are your what are your thoughts on on haskell date well i had the a-track cranking with some uh bon jovi and some bruce springsteen for the jersey shore boys but you brought me down with that little bluesy music bit there so i gotta get back up real quick the Haskell is the greatest, uh, greatest uh, what sh- track on the shore? The greatest st- stretch on the shore, and you can uh, go to the beach in the afternoon and go to the race tracks at you know within fifteen minutes. So just great little track up there in Jersey. Yeah, I've never been to it. It's one that somehow has, has eluded me. I've been to just about all the other Mid Atlantic tracks, but. For whatever reason, uh, Mammoth has has escaped me. Uh, it's also Kentucky Derby Future Wagering Weekend, uh, the sixth pool, uh, and I think this might be the last. Uh, you might correct me there if I have that wrong, but um, I can't see them doing another pool between now and then uh, when they run the Derby six oh some six weeks from now. Um, 
Any thoughts on the pool itself that features uh, Virginia bred attachment rate is in there, uh, but since the last pool, Dean Martini has won the Ohio Derby. Um, we uh, mentioned Country Grammar, um, who is ironically not on this sheet uh, for the um, you know, winning the uh, bluegrass last week. Uncle Chuck won the last Los Al Derby uh, since the last time uh, we looked over some of these uh, Derby future horses. What are your thoughts? And, you know, who do you like in this pool? Um, obviously, uh, horses are moving in and out with the winds at the bluegrass last week with Brammer uh, stepped into the picture. Yeah, I, missed, of, uh, I misspoke. Yep. Yeah, Country Grammar yeah, I won the Peter Pan. Our collector won the Bluegrass. Let me correct that. But go ahead. Yeah, the uh, Chad Brown's always capable of uh, uh, winning in New York and winning in Jersey and see if he can win in Kentucky. Country Grammar last year was Country House, so country, country, country double there if they had the two-year double that I would put out. You know, I would bet on anything. You know, I'm a man of all races. I love all the races. <laughs> Yep, and, and and the Oaks, of course, I should mention, is also part of the pool. One of the entries you can have there is you can take uh, all uh, all fillies here, and then you have the, uh, uh, I think I saw, didn't I, for some reason I, I thought Swiss Skydiver was in this pool, but maybe not. Um, anyway. Skydiver is uh, not in the future, not in the Derby future pool, I don't think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think she's uh, must... pretty much targeted for the Oaks as a top favorite for the Oaks there. And uh, your Virginia connected finite is in the pool, I believe. Yeah, looking to make a comeback. Uh, we have to get an update on finite as we move closer toward um, that big first weekend in, uh, at Churchill Downs. The mama, uh, race at Mama today, let's take a look at the, the Haskell here. Uh, it's a bit of a rebound race, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for both Authentic, uh, who lost to Honor AP in the Santa Anita Derby, and then Dr. Post, who lost to Tis the Law in the Belmont Stakes, uh, both running incredible seconds in that race, although they finished uh, two lengths back of, of the winners here. Uh, heard a little bit from Brad... Um, up at Monmouth about authentic and and do you th- share his thoughts in terms of being, you know, four to five? Is this is the horse to beat in the Haskell, huh? Um, yeah, I believe so. Baffert uh, ships him in. Uh, uh, it's kind of interesting. Obviously, COVID's taking uh, toll on everybody. Joe Bravo jumping in for Ortez because Ortez can't leave Saratoga. To get to Jersey to ride Dr. Post. So, Jersey Joe Bravo, who was born in what, Long Branch, which is just down the street on on the ocean from Monmouth Park, and uh, he's won 13 riding titles. I think that's why they call him Jersey. Jersey Joe Bravo gets up for Pletcher on the Dr. Post. So, you know, he, know, he knows the track so well that, the, you know, he doesn't know the horse as well as he knows the track. So, Dr. Post is. Uh, Five to two, and uh, justifiably five to two based on the jockey change to me. Uh, New York traffic is in that one. Uh, Paco Lopez up off the uh, the Matt win. Nice run in the Matt win there, but authentic. It's his race if he uh, runs his best, but he's definitely beatable if you're playing the pick pick four, which is they have a pick four race nine, ten, eleven into the Haskell, which is on the last two are on NBC. Uh, the United Nations and the Haskell will be on NBC t- national t- TV, so this pool will be a little bit, might even be, should be bigger than Saratoga today. Yeah, uh, and we're going to touch on that race at Saratoga uh, towards the back half of this segment here, but you mentioned the United Nations. Uh, Brad Thomas did not like Arklow in this race, which 5-2, to two, uh, there are a lot of people that tend to agree with him. Uh, Perrette is a horse that he mentioned as long as, as well as a standard deviation and, and current aquaphobia. He liked Corelli, uh, who actually uh, Frank Vespi also mentioned earlier in the show with Jonathan Thomas here. 
this race, it's nine-horse field, but it appears to be wide open. Early word is no scratches, uh, so it looks like it's going to go to the gate intact um, at 510 here. Uh, the United Nations is a mile and three-eighths. For some reason, I remember that race perhaps even being a mile and a half at, at points um, of its uh, runnings. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the United Nations here, the turf race? Here, your guest, Brad Thomas, has been at uh, New Jersey since eight tracks were invented, I think. He knows that track very well, but he does not play favorites. He is one of the, one of, one of the biggest handicappers in the country not to toss a favorite and to try to find ways to toss a favorite. That Sometimes you don't need to toss a favorite. You just need to bet him properly, like our club here. Uh, just... Uh, ran well with Keeneland, but he, the key there, he ran six days ago, Nick. These horses are turning around fast because of COVID and because of the switches. You know, so our club, the six-day turnaround is unusual in our era. You know, modern era just doesn't do that, but I think it's it was a good tune-up for that horse, and I'm not going to try to beat our club like Brad is in this race. I'm going to use him as a single in uh, the pick four, trying to you know, lessen the burden single. of the cost of some of these races. Wow, using them as a single here off of six days. You know, it's an interesting. I've heard two. There are obviously two schools of thought on the short turnaround. One is that um, you know the, that race will take take it out of you, and you just can't come back in six days, like you like you just said. Uh, um, the other side of it is that maybe the train comes out of the race well. The trainer feels that the race had little impact on them and it's it's kind of a sign of of confidence uh in your horse here so uh kind of an interesting take here wanted to get to the coaching club american oaks which is going to be run up at saratoga um trying to figure out where that fits in terms of the schedule here it looks like that race goes off so it'll be late uh, 6 15 or so so um it'll be right there with i guess it's just right after the haskell tonalist shape is the favorite in the six horse field uh, at nine to five. Uh, Paris Lights uh, is two to one in this field with um, with for these three year old fillies here. How do you take the uh, Coaching Club American Oaks? It's part of the cross country pick five, so I have to take it a little differently than normal people. If you're betting a race straight up, I'm going uh, back to my crystal ball and my eight track here and playing a horse called Crystal Ball. Uh, great stick song by Crystal Ball. I played all day trying to get pumped up. The four to one upset of tunnelless shape here. Uh, Bob Baffert at four to one. I'm going to take him. Bob's had some difficulties here lately with, uh, you know, rules, but today I'm sure he's uh, got this horse primed, and my crystal ball says number five at least $10 to enhance my uh, ticket there. Um, obviously, Saratoga, our focus is, uh, you know, on the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame race. race uh, we're on the turf race three early, so you get to watch this one early. You can focus on this one and then get back to your pick fours with Decorated Invader and uh, Gufo. Uh, battling up for Christopher Clement. Maybe the loser comes to the Virginia Derby if if they can dodge the COVID uh, ramifications. Gufo just coming off that win in the Kent at Delaware Park on uh, on the Fourth of July here. So yeah, I'll, don't miss one. that. Does it? It does catch me a little early. Uh, at two eighteen. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I definitely want to be in front of the TV for that one. That certainly has implications usually towards. Uh, towards the Virginia Derby uh, has so in the past. Uh, the um, Just some thoughts uh, in the late moments here of this show of the meet coming up at Colonial Downs. Uh, you know, just your thoughts on, on what to expect there. What, what's your take on nine days from racing, returning, live racing, returning to Virginia? Just got to give a thumbs up to being able to race and having the horses come to town this year has been brutal everywhere on every sport in the country, so Hopefully we can pump this out. Delmar is going to be racing opening night with Colonial Downs, the 27th. So Delmar replaced night. So it should be big, bigger than it was for handicappers. So you can handicap uh, Colonial Downs and Delmar on opening night. So that'll be exciting. You know, everybody around here is excited. It's a little disappointed that, you know, it's 
tough to get down to the track this year under the conditions. But you know, and the jockeys and the people traveling in is going to be difficult. So hopefully next week, Joe, we'll have uh, you know, Mr. Vespi focused in on opening night Colonial Downs. Yeah, certainly will be, and looking forward to it. Thanks, Derby Bill, and good luck today at the races. There we go. Derby Bill uh, joining us on Off to the Races. want to thank all of our guests this morning, Daryl Wood, Frank Vespi, Alicia Hughes from the NTRA, Brad Thomas from Monmouth Park, and, of course, Derby Bill Watson. And, of course, Mitchell, great job today, as always. Uh, We'll see you next week on Off to the Races. At that point, we'll only be two days away, and the cards will be set for the next three days of racing at Colonial. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. From the G Law Firm Studios, your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. WXGI Richmond. WTPS Petersburg.